This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard, episode 156, part two, folks, part two. All right, so I have a lot of information here. We've got to get this out. This is on uh, data centers. So I decided what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you a video first um just so you've got an understanding of this before we get into the nuts and bolts of how these data centers work and the first one we're going to talk about here uh the first video i'm going to play this is inside google data center and this is eight years ago uh i want you to see this one uh there's three videos i'm going to show you one is from inside google one is called the next server and this is from CBC um, seven years ago. And then we're going to go into inside Amazon's massive data center. And that's from TechVision from a year ago. So let's start with this one inside Google data center from eight years ago. And then we're going to start getting into some facts. And I'm going to show you how many data centers there are worldwide. We're going to go through some of these various companies. I'm going to show you their data centers is going to be quite interesting. And again, this is to understand the anatomy of how the technocracy actually operates. All right, let's start here inside Google data centers from eight years ago. A data center is the brains of the internet, the engine of the internet. It is a giant building with a lot of power, a lot of cooling, and a lot of computers. It's row upon row upon row of machines, all working together to provide the services that make Google function. I love- all right, and just for all of you in the radio audience, sometimes I forget. So if you're not over at pain.tv slash gold, there's a lot of visuals here. I'm not going to stop and explain all of the visuals um, because it, it would just take too long to go through these videos but basically you're seeing a giant warehouse and then inside from floor to ceiling are all these racks i told you about uh, that are basically just computers think of it as your home computer tower and just stacked on top of each other on top of each other on top of each other and it's just collecting all the data all right let's continue here building and operating data centers i'm joe cava vice president of data centers at google I'm responsible for managing the teams globally that design, build, and operate Google's data centers. We're also responsible for the environmental health and safety, sustainability, and carbon offsets for our data centers. This data center here in in South Carolina is one node in a larger network of data centers all over the world. Of all the employees at Google, 
a very, very small percentage of those employees are authorized to even enter a data center campus. The men and women that run these data centers and keep them up 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they are incredibly passionate about what they're doing. In layman's terms, what do I do here? I typically refer to myself as the herder of cats. And I'm an engineer, hardware site operations manager. We keep the lights on and we enjoy doing it and they work very hard. So we like to provide them a fun environment where they can also play hard as well. We just went past the three million man hour mark for zero lost time incidents. Three million man hours is a really long time and with the number of people that we have on site, that is an amazing accomplishment. I think the Google data centers really can offer a level of security that almost no other company can match. We have a information security team that is truly second to none. You, you have the expression, they wrote the book on that. Well, there are many of our information security team members that have really written the books on best practices in information security. Protecting the security and the privacy of our users' information is our foremost design criteria. We use various layers of higher level security the closer into the center of the campus you get. So just to enter this campus, my badge had to be on a pre-authorized access list. Then to come into the building, that was another level of security. To get into the secure corridor, which leads to the data center, that's a higher level of security. And the data center and the networking rooms are the highest level of security. And the technologies we use are different. Like for instance, in our highest level areas, we even use underfloor intrusion detection via laser beams. So I'm going to demonstrate going into the secure corridor now. One, I have to be on the authorized list with my badge. And then All right, so just so you know, this guy is getting into this uh, circular cylindrical uh, elevator right now, right? And he's got to punch through his badge. Now, remember, this is eight years ago. All right, so these things are like military bases that they're, they're going inside of with layers and layers and layers of security. Even more secure than I would say uh, Fort Detrick, which is a mile from me, the home of MK Ultra Mind Control. I've been on the uh, base there at Fort Detrick, and um, I did not have to go through this much security. All right, let's uh, continue here. And two, I use a biometric iris scanner to verify that it truly is me. Okay, here we are on the data center floor. The first thing that I notice is that it's a little warm in here. It's about 80 degrees Fahrenheit. Google runs our data centers warmer than most because it helps with the efficiency. You'll notice that we have overhead power distribution. Coming from the outside yard, we bring in the high voltage power, distribute across the bus bars to all of the customized bus taps that are basically plugs where we plug in all the extension cords. Now, if you folks want to see this and you're not a member of pain.tv slash gold, you should join or go to YouTube and type in inside Google data servers and look for the uh, um, or data warehouses and look for this video from seven years ago. All right. You're going to see this. It's, it's floor to ceiling computers, all types of technology running above. We're going to eventually break down what's inside the servers and the types of metals and plastics and stuff uh, they use because that's the core of it. That's the brain, really, that stores all the data and then controls all the software that processes all the data. Let's continue. All of our racks don't really look like a traditional server rack. These are custom designed and built for Google 
so that we can optimize the servers for hyper-efficiency and high-performance computing. Okay, and again now, this is just floor to ceiling. Uh, these big metal racks with all these drives on them, with cables stuck inside them, and blue LED lights everywhere. It's true that sometimes drives fail, and we have to replace them to upgrade them because maybe they're just no longer efficient to run. We have a very thorough end-to-end -end chain of custody process for managing those drives from the time that they're checked out to the server to they're brought to an ultra-secure cage where they're erased and crushed if necessary. So any drive that can't be verified is 100% clean, we crush it first, and then we take it to an industrial wood chipper where it's shredded into these little pieces like this. In the time that I've been at Google for almost six and a half years now, we have changed our cooling technologies at least five times. Most data centers have air conditioning units along the perimeter walls that force cold air under the floor that then raises up in front of the servers and cools the servers. In our solution, we take the server racks and we butt it right up against our air conditioning unit. We just use cool water flowing through those copper coils that you see there. So the hot air from the servers is contained in that hot aisle. It raises up, passes across those coils where the heat from the air transfers to the water in those coils and then that warm water is then brought outside the data center to our cooling plant where it is cooled down through our cooling towers and returned back to the data center and that process just repeats over and over again. All right, so now you're looking at, uh, they, they showed in the video, these uh, copper coils that are up above the servers. Now you're outside. There's all these big tanks. You guys have seen like big white water tanks. Well, there's these big white water tanks just lined up. I don't know. In this picture, you could see maybe uh, three dozen of them. And then they have their uh, cooling towers and everything else. It's complex, folks, but it's, it's all technology. And we're looking at this because this is the brand. This is the brain. This is where all the data is stored that they're collecting in the world. You want to understand how the technocracy works. It's not magical, folks. It's not magical. Uh, this is sort of like dissecting a body and looking at the organs and looking at the veins i mean you could never understand the soul or how that all works but this is it i mean this is tech tech is pretty easy to understand when you break it down all right let's uh finish up with this video here we're almost done to me the thing that amazes me about Google and the data centers is the pace of innovation and always challenging the way we're doing things. So when people say that innovation in a certain area is done, that we've kind of reached the pinnacle of what can be achieved, I just laugh. Okay, and so this guy, who's uh, the head of the data centers for Google, he looks kind of like uh, Paul Manafort, if you're just listening on the podcast. Remember Paul Manafort? He was one of Trump's buddies, uh, had the business Manafort, Stone, and uh, Black with Roger Stone. And uh, Paul Manafort, he, he went to went to jail. He kind of looks like Paul Manafort, similar haircut, except this guy, he's wearing a polo shirt and a pair of khakis, a, a blue Google Polo shirt, and he's riding down the hall uh, on a scooter. All right, this is a grown man, uh, probably in his mid fifties to early sixties. Looks like Paul Manafort riding down the hall 
on a scooter. You know, it's supposed to look hip and cool. And that's the whole thing about this Google brand. Uh, This brand, as I've said, we see in the movie Internship with Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn, this cool, hip place to work. There's nothing creepy about it. And at the end of the day, they put this clown out there to ride around on a scooter because this is the guy who's protecting the brain. Uh, Sort of the, the heart, too, the heart and the brain of the technocratic system. That's what these data centers are. So, They collect all the data from the different organs, right? That's the devices, the Internet of Things, the sensors. Those are all the organs. They're collecting all this data, and then they're sending it up through the cloud. That's really like the arteries of the body, and so it's pumping. All the data is like blood, right? It's pumping up through the arteries, and it's going down, circulating through the heart. The memories are storing in the brain, and that's what we're looking at here. We're dissecting the anatomy of the technocracy ladies and gentlemen i'll be right back we're going to start to go through some statistics and we're going to look at how many data centers are actually out there in the world and then we're going to review a couple of more videos and i'm going to start to break this down and show you uh, some sources you can look at if you're interested in looking at all the different players in this and how many data centers they have. I was really blown away that this information was actually available. But it's out there. It's open sourced. You just need to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dust to Gold with the Dust to Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, um, we've done the research, and we are going to show you um, kind of a breakdown here of how many data centers there are in the world. We're gonna go through this. I really wanna show you in detail because I wanna show you how this system works, how the technocracy actually operates. We're gonna spend uh, quite a bit of time on this over several episodes, maybe not all back to back uh, because the tech stuff can be a bit overwhelming for folks, but we're gonna get into you know, fiber lines, satellites, receivers, you know, Elon Musk, Starlink. We're going to really break all this down and try to create a diagram of how this prison planet structure works. Uh, listen, if we were back in the movie, uh, what was it, Escape from Alcatraz, you know, with Clint Eastwood, or one of these types of movies where someone's going to escape from a prison, the first thing they get is a blueprint of the prison. So they know where the guard stations are and the towers and how thick the walls are. Escape from Demomora was a good one. I don't know if you guys saw that. Good TV show, uh, like a miniseries. You know, and you want to understand all these things. And you want to know where the cameras are. And, 
uh, try to plan your escape. And so that's what we're going to do here. I really want to break this down, create a blueprint of what this technocratic system actually looks like. Where's the holes in this thing? How do you get around it? How do you exit it? If the people ever woke up and wanted to wage war against the system, how would they go about doing that? So that's kind of what we're going to do here. You know, with my limited knowledge of technology, we're going to go through that. So before uh, I get into this, as I said, I've done the research. I'm going to go through this article. I just want to ask Glenda, our sidekick, uh, chat GPT, if she knows, and I haven't asked her, folks. I haven't asked her. This is fresh. If she knows how many data centers there are in the world. Glenda, would you mind referring to me as Dustin during our conversation? All right, let's uh, just get Glenda. Of course, sure. Dustin. It'll refer to you by the name you provided during our conversation. How can I assist you today? Glenda, we would like to know how many data centers there are in the world. All right, let's see what she says here. She's uh, writing. All right, come on, Glenda, spit it out, lady. It's difficult to give an exact number of how many data centers there are in the world since data centers can come in many different shapes and sizes, and there is no single authoritative source that keeps track of all of them. However, here are a few data points that may help give you a better sense of the scale of the industry. According to a report by Synergy Research Group in 2021, there are over 500 hyperscale data centers globally, which are defined as facilities with at least 5,000 servers and a total size of at least 10,000 square feet. These hyperscale data centers account for the majority of the world's cloud infrastructure. The Uptime Institute, a data center research and consulting organization, estimated in 2020 that there are around 509,000 data centers globally, with a total of around 1,82 billion square feet of data center space. Another estimate by Data Center Map in 2022 suggests that there are around 10,590 data centers globally, with the United States, China, and Germany having the largest number of facilities. Keep in mind that these figures are all just estimates, and the actual number of data centers may vary depending on the criteria used to define them. That's amazing, folks, because I never saw that. All right, so the Uptime Institute, a data center research and consulting organization, estimated in 2020 that there are around 509,000 data centers globally with a total of around 1.82 uh, 1.82 billion square feet of data center space. That's amazing. Uh, let's just see how good Glenda is in math because I'd like to know. Glenda, can you convert 1.2? Um, hang on a second, folks. Let's cancel that for a second. Let me ask it again. Glenda, can you convert 1.82 billion square feet into acres? All right, let's see if she can give us a calculation here. Yes, I can certainly do that for you, Dustin. One square foot is equal to zero, 00022956 acres. Therefore, one, 82 billion square feet is equal to one, 82 billion square feet zero, 00022956 eight acre per square foot equals 41,735. Two Acresa 1, 82 billion square feet is approximately equal to 41,735. Two acres. Wow. 
Wow. So 41,735 square feet of data centers in the world. Possibly, possibly. We don't know that uh, for sure. Uh, I have not double-checked this, but I want to pull up uh, this information uh, for you folks. And I wanted to get Glenda's uh, thoughts on this. So now let's look at um, this information that came up in my research, because we're going to use this. And from everything that I found, this is actually fairly accurate. Now, Glenda could be talking about uh, all the private data centers. So for instance... I had mentioned before I had done some uh, some work for a company in Atlanta back in 2013 through a friend of mine, Alan, who was business development. They wanted me to help them uh, come up with some marketing for some products and stuff. And so they had, you know, a mini private data center in their basement. It might have been 15 server racks. It was in the basement of a probably 15, 20 foot, uh, 20 story building in Atlanta that was mainly tech companies. And these guys had a cage down in the basement with about 15 server racks, not very complex. It was kind of old technology at the time. But they had a Indian company, media company they were partnered with. And in India, there's, I don't know, 20 different dialects or something like that. Uh, let's ask uh, Glenda that just for the heck of it. Glenda, how many dialects are there in India? Uh, let's just see what she says here. I feel like I'm Tony Stark talking to Jarvis. There is no straightforward answer to how many dialects there are in India, as the linguistic situation in the country is quite complex. India is home to numerous languages, each of which can have multiple dialects and variations. According to the latest language census conducted by the Indian government in 2011, there are 121 languages which are spoken by 10,000 or more people in India. These languages are further classified into two categories. Scheduled languages and non-scheduled languages. The scheduled languages are recognized by the Indian constitution and are entitled to official support, while the non-scheduled languages are not. Within each language, there can be many dialects and sub-dialects, some of which are mutually intelligible, while others may be distinct enough to be considered separate languages. It is estimated that there may be as many as 1,600 dialects spoken in India. To summarize, the number of dialects in India is difficult to determine due to the complex linguistic diversity in the country, but it is estimated to be very high. Thank you, Glenda. How many Telugu-speaking people are there around the world? And let's see, I, I'm just interested in this. Um, According to Ethnologue, a comprehensive database of world languages, as of 2021, there are approximately 83 million Telugu speakers worldwide. The majority of Telugu speakers live in the Indian state of Andhra Pradesh and the neighboring state of Telangana. Telugu is also spoken by significant numbers of people in other states of India, such as Karnataka, Tamil Nadu, Maharashtra, and Odisha, among others. Additionally, there are Telugu-speaking communities in other parts of the world, such as the United States, the United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, and the United Arab Emirates, among other countries. It's important to note that the figure of 83 million is an estimate, and the actual number of Telugu speakers may vary.
Okay, well, anyway, folks, the, the, the reason why I was asking Glenda that question is because uh, this Indian company, there was an Indian-owned tech company, but my friend Alan, he was an American white guy uh, from Tennessee initially, uh, and, and he was business development and a background in tech. Well, they had a media company in India, and they were serving Telugu-speaking content to Telugu-speaking folks all around the world. And so these guys had this video streaming platform, which was available on tablets like the iPad. It was pretty new. And they had a text chat, and it was before YouTube was doing it, and they wanted to build some American uh, English-speaking political comedy. That's how I got hooked up with them. And so uh, they had this server room in the basement of this building where they were serving all this Telugu-speaking content. It was news, entertainment, movies, translated movies, etc., into this server room and then that server was the hub for i think it was uh, 10 or 12 million telugu speaking folks in the united states at the time and they were pushing that content out so the point being that little data center could be considered a data center in the information that glenda provided to us uh that specific study she was talking about from the uptime institute where there's 509,000 uh data centers in the United, uh, in the world, right? So even Hillary Clinton's server that was in her closet could technically be considered a data center inside the information that Uptime Institute uh, was covering. So eventually we could investigate that, but we know it's a lot, folks. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at Tech Jury dot net it's tech t-e-c-h jury dot net and this is an article from february 7th 2023 so this is no this is a a little more than a week old folks and this is 15 crucial data center statistics to know in 2023 so what we're going to do folks we're going to shelve glenda all right i'm not going to rely on glenda all the time it'll just be for little interesting tidbits Uh, of information when we'd like to go to Glenda or to fact check us. Uh, But we're going to use this as our source because it's uh, fairly conservative. We're going to start here and then we're going to look at some maps I pulled up of various major players in this, Amazon, Google, Oracle, etc. And we're going to show you all these different data centers that are around the world, all these hubs. And I think what we're going to be able to uh, explain to you, illustrate to you, is that they are building this. It is real. There's an infrastructure. This is not made up, all right? And then what we're going to do is we're going to start to look at some of the natural resources, precious metals, uh, manufactured plastics that go into building these data centers, specifically the actual hard drive space, um, the actual servers inside the data centers. And, And this way, we're going to understand how are they actually going to do this? How are they doing it? How are they going to keep expanding? Are there enough resources? Can they keep building? Because as there is more and more data collected through more and more devices, more and more sensors, more and more of the objects on the Internet of Things, right, as we're able to start to see it, you're going to say, well, how are they going to keep collecting the data, moving the data through the cloud and storing the data and then process the data. Is it actually possible or is it an illusion? Uh, 
as of right now, I'll state, and over the investigation, over several shows, maybe I'll change my mind in the end. This is why I like to investigate this stuff. I believe it is possible, yes. I believe it's complex, it's complicated, but it's not magic, folks. It's not magic. But I do believe they're doing it. Uh, they're not putting up smart poles and 5G replicators and everything else for no reason. All right? I don't believe that is the case. And they're not building these data centers for nothing. All right? And the guy you saw speak, that Paul Manafort lookalike guy, he was obviously a fairly intelligent gentleman. All right? That wasn't just some uh, buffoon. Now, he was obviously selected through Professor Henry Murray, the gentleman that played with Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber's mind, through his assessment of men, which is the protocol for how these robotic humans are selected. But I'm sure that guy has multiple degrees and knows what he's doing. So when he gets put in charge of this, he doesn't ask questions, but he knows how to build a data center, the brain, the heart of the technocratic worldwide regime. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 